I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. Climb on up here on The Watchman's wall and sit for a spell. Have a cup of coffee. Let's visit for a little while. If you listened to last week's episode, you will remember that I mentioned the 11th month of Shabbat and how the 11th month of Shabbat was a month of blessing. It is the time when the tree and the vine prepares to put forth blooms and leaf out. It is a time of the early rains. I spoke briefly of how God has blessed me monumentally during this season in years past. Well, it's happened again. Yep, God's word is true and I'm fool enough to believe it. Listen close. I might know what I'm talking about. On Sunday morning, January 21st, which would have been the 11th day of Shabbat, my oldest daughter left home that morning to drive to work to an emergency care clinic in Maryville, Tennessee. She calls me at 7.45. Daddy, my car has died at the intersection of 129 and Louisville Road, and it won't start back up. Well, immediately, my daddy's spidey senses go into overdrive. It was one degree Fahrenheit outside. At that temperature, frostbite can occur on bare skin within 10 to 15 minutes, and hypothermia can set in within 35 to 40 minutes. It was imperative that I get to her within 30 minutes before she would experience some dangerous effects from the cold. The only problem was, I lived 40 minutes away from where she was. About four miles from home, Leslie gives me another call. Daddy, there's a man here with a fire department tag on his truck, and he's going to let me stay here in his truck until you get here. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. I get a few more miles down the road, and Leslie calls again. A policeman has arrived, and I'm here in the car with him. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. We arrive at the scene, and the tow truck arrives about five minutes later. When the driver of the tow truck loaded Leslie's car, I noticed a rather large puddle of engine oil on the highway. I didn't say anything, but I was not hopeful for the well-being of that engine. The car was towed to a shop in Maryville, and the next day my concerns were confirmed. The engine had no compression. The piston rings had evidently failed because of the lack of oil flow. It had burned up in spite of the sub-freezing temperatures. The bad news is that Leslie still owes about $10,000 on that car. The mechanic stated that the cost of a new engine would be more than was owed. It was dreadful news. That was not the least bit welcome. However, God is not done yet. Cheryl called the insurance company to see if Leslie had any road hazard insurance, and sure enough, she did. So depending on the verdict of the adjuster, we may dodge a bullet in getting the car repaired, or we may not. That remains to be seen. One thing I do know for sure, 
God provided the means to keep my daughter safe during one-degree temperatures. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. You want to know what the good part about all this is? We're still only about a little more than halfway through the month of Shabbat. Now, having said that, I'm aware that the insurance company may not pay to have the car repaired. I am aware that my daughter may be saddled with paying for a car that she can no longer drive. I am aware that Cheryl and I may have to greatly assist her in acquiring another car so that she can continue to go to work without being compensated for our unseen expenditure. However, I am also aware that God still holds it all in the balance. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. You see, things may not work out the way that I think they should or the way that I want them to. However, the Bible says that all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And that would be in Romans 8.28. Now that I brought up Romans 8.28, let's look at the verse and see what it tells us. Let's also look at what it doesn't tell us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 reads, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. What that does not say is that God turns all situations and circumstances around to bring about a Pollyanna life where there is no suffering. It does not say that God is the cause of situations or circumstances that brings about suffering. It does not necessarily tell us that God considers suffering in and of itself a good thing. Some would go as far to say that it is not averse to throw at someone during times of brokenness, grief, and suffering as a means of comfort. I don't know that I agree entirely with that assessment, and I'll explain why. I say that because the verse does tell us that God is still accessible during times of brokenness, grief, and great suffering. That gives me comfort. That is a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your accessibility during my times of brokenness, grief, and suffering. Thank you for that blessing. When God is accessible during difficult times, the possibility is still ever-present for something good to come of it. As I recall, all things are possible with God. You can find that in the book of Matthew around chapter 19, I believe. I'm not one to advocate that God exists to supply us with what we want, to promote us, or to give us a life on easy street. I do advocate, however, that God's blessings extend far beyond mere finances. Take your health, for instance. You can't buy good health. You can have all the money in the world and your health fail to the point of exhausting your financial resources. And just a side note here, I spent one night in a hospital. After going through the emergency room and surgical suite to have an appendix removed recently, the hospital charged $20,000 for less than 24 hours of my presence therein. I did have health insurance to cover the lion's share of that bill, but not all of it. But would I rather have kept that portion in my pocket? Well, you bet I would. But would I have rather let the appendix rupture and spend 10 days to 2 weeks in the hospital on IV antibiotics? No, I wouldn't. 
the infection of an appendix cost me. But the blessing is that it didn't perforate, costing me more. Look at relationships. Marriages break up. Sad, but true. Parents and children become estranged. Sad, but true. So how does God use these things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose? Well, here's the truth. Most marriages that divide or estrangements of relationships that occur most often occur because one party or both parties are not acting or living according to God's purpose in their lives. One party or both parties, in most instances, are experiencing self-serving motives. Ouch. Go back to Romans 8.28 again. For the good of those who love him. There's the first clue. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's John fourteen fifteen. But wait, let's look further into verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. You see, Jesus saying that if we love him, we will obey his commandments. If we do that, then. He will ask the Father, and the Father will give us a helper, Holy Spirit, to be with us forever. It's a conditional statement. If you love him and obey his commandments, then he'll ask the Father. The helper, the Holy Spirit, is a directing force that guides us towards fulfilling our purpose according to the purpose of our calling. In that fulfilling of that purpose, we find peace. We find shalom. It is a peace beyond our understanding. It means literally nothing is missing, nothing is broken. We are whole. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. The caveat is this. You must genuinely love Jesus and genuinely seek to obey his commandments. Well, which commandments are his commandments? Well, all of them. Genesis 1, 1 tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1 verse 1 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He later go on to say, The Word came flesh and tabernacled amongst us. Sounds like the same deity to me. Now, I'm not talking about the law of Moses directly. However, I'm not talking about the law indirectly either. Let me explain. The law. And by the provisions of the law, redemption of the people was achieved. That is no longer the case. The law was a foreshadowing of something better to come. That something better was Jesus and the blood he shed for our redemption. However, while the blood of Jesus Christ fulfilled the law for the sake of righteousness, we must be mindful that the blood of Jesus was shed for our righteousness because the law demanded a blood sacrifice to obtain that righteousness. The law and the provisions of the law required a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies once a year to make blood offerings for the sins of a nation. Jesus entered the Holy of Holies one time and offered his blood for the sins of mankind. Jesus, our high priest, made that offering because the law demanded that it be made. The law and the provisions of the law required a system of judgment and the administration of that judgment. 
we've all heard about the cutting off from the people and stoning. Well, even the Jews don't stone people anymore. Why is that? Why do we not stone people anymore? Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery that was brought before Jesus? None of the accusers could cast the first stone. Jesus pardoned the woman, telling her, Go and sin no more. Hmm. Jesus fulfilled the law in that judgment is delayed to a time when there will be one final judgment, when he alone will sit on the judgment seat. So what am I getting at? Where does that leave us? It leaves us with the moral laws. Moral laws lead us into obedience. That is something that we have to do? No. It should be something we want to do. Psalm 37 verse 4 reads, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Does that mean that God is obligated to give you what you want? No. It means that when you delight yourself in the Lord and his will, the desires of your heart will change. Your delight is not in the things of this world. Your delight is in God and what he has done for you. When your delight is in God, the desires of your heart will become that which the Lord desires, your love and obedience. Therein lies the blessings that are spoken of throughout the Bible. You see, grace is not a license to sin or continue in sin. That helper that Jesus spoke of in John fourteen fifteen is Holy Spirit. That is God within us. When we submit to the Holy Spirit and deny our fleshly wants and desires, Holy Spirit directs us in the way we should go. I thank God the Father, the Son, Jesus, for sending Holy Spirit as a helper to direct my steps. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. Some people have told me that Jesus only had two commandments, and those being, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now that would be in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Only two commandments? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself? Well, let's unpack that for a few moments. First, these are mentioned by Jesus as the greatest commandments. He never said that these were the only two commandments. Jesus said that the whole of the law and prophets rested on these two commandments. So therein is evidence that the law and prophets still have some significance. Let's be clear about that. If these are the greatest commandments, then there are other commandments, and if we love Jesus, we will obey his commandments. Not for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of the blessings. Second, if you cannot maintain or achieve obedience to these two commandments, then there is no way you can obey any of the other commandments. Adherence to all the other commandments hinges upon these two commandments. It really is that simple. And I'm not being legalistic in what I'm saying. I don't feel like I have to obey these commandments of Christ, who is God the Son. I want to obey because he has already done more for me than I am capable of repaying. 
It's an attitude of great gratitude. Righteousness and salvation are not acquired by obedience. Righteousness and salvation are acquired by the blood of Christ. Does God bless his children who are disobedient? Well, I'm having difficult finding evidence of it in the Bible thus far. Does God bless his children, his people, when they are obedient? From what I can discern in my reading, he blesses them immensely. I know that since I have found the example in the first, second chapter of Zechariah, a little over two years ago, and realized that there is a current season to be observed, I have been blessed beyond belief. Now, what if, what if the insurance doesn't pay to have my daughter's car repaired and my household suffers the expenditure of another vehicle, plus her having to pay for a car that she can no longer drive? What then? Well, that would indeed be unfortunate. However, it's not going to be the end of the world either. How can I say that? Well, I still have access to the Father who loves me. He is still God. He has delivered me from much worse. That doesn't say that I didn't suffer somewhat through the processes because I did. But still, in due time, I was delivered and still everything has worked out for the good. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. I have set my heart to follow the Lord and obey His instructions. When I do that, I find blessings flowing. In the past, when I went my own way, not so much. I have a few questions for all of you. Do you believe God? Do you believe what he said in his word? And more importantly, do you trust God? Now, I'm not concerned whether or not you lie to me. I beg you, however, don't lie to yourself. You may answer emphatically, yes, I believe God in his word. Of course I trust him. Okay, if that be true, do you exhibit the fruit of that belief and trust? What evidence am I speaking of? I'm speaking of that peace that comes with that belief and trust. Worry, anxiety, apprehension are not fruits of belief or trust. And I don't say that to hurt you. But it's the truth nonetheless. Is sin prevalent in your life? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. I cannot honestly say that I am sinless. However, I can state emphatically that I sin a whole lot less than I once did. We are all works in progress, in the making. But let me say this. I once loved sin. I enjoyed sin, and I was genuinely good at it. I can't say that of myself now. I detest sin, and I set up safeguards and boundaries in my life that are in place to prevent the occurrences of sin. And when I do sin, I recognize it immediately, and I turn away. I repent of that sin. I do not any longer enjoy sin. And I'm disappointed when I do sin. I don't say that I'm ashamed because it's not shame that I feel. It's a genuine disappointment that I strayed, if only for a second. But is sin prevalent in your life? Do you sin habitually? Do you plan for sinful acts, situations, or circumstances? Do you enjoy those moments? Is it a habit or an addiction? 
I'm going to make a statement and I want to be very clear. You've probably heard it before. You cannot be a dyed-in-the-wool, over-the-top, born-again Christian and be friends with the world. There is no blessing in that. A Christian is one who is set apart from the world in which he or she lives. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Grace is not a license to continue living in sin knowingly. And you know what? When I became a Christian for like the third time, I stopped doing most of the things that I was doing. I stopped going to most of the places that I was going. I stopped hanging out with most, if not all, of the people that I was hanging out with. I just stopped. Then I began to grow. I stopped reading novels, and for the most part, I quit watching television. I no longer listened to the music that I once listened to. The world around me is ever-changing with new technologies that make committing sin easier and faster. On the other hand, I've changed as well, but I have not changed with the world. I have changed headings in another direction. God set me apart, and I've set myself apart. I'm not trying to present myself as some kind of super-Christian here, but I can tell you honestly, without hesitation, that I have enjoyed life more and had more fun separated from the world than I did when I was of the world. That's the truth. Just know that it's important to realize that God uses all the good for those who loved him who are called according to his purpose. If there's a difficult situation or circumstance that you're facing, that situation and circumstance is not your reality the access to God through that difficult situation and circumstance is the reality. And while you may struggle through the situations and circumstances, God's accessibility has never decreased. If so, it should increase. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. The blessings are in the obedience. And you have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.